I feel like we're like on E News or something. Like I know. A little like. Are you? Are you? are with what's your name? Hello, makers. Welcome to the Making Conversation podcast, where we chat all about making the app and the act. I'm Jen, head of marketing for Making. My pronouns are she, her. And my making app username is Knit Pearl. We have arrived at part three of Flock Fiber Festival's vendor meet and greets sneak peeks. Before we dive in to hearing some maker stories, which we love, I wanted to take a moment and talk about some things that we learned. This was like the first time that making has ever partnered with an event like this, right? Like before when making was magazines, you know, they had been to festivals and had booths, but this was a different capacity, right? We were there to collect content for the event. Um, We were there to help tell stories. We were there to help make a connection with people who maybe weren't able to join Flock Fiber Festival in this first year and kind of take away that FOMO that people can feel when they can't attend events for one reason or another. We definitely learned a lot this this go ahead and not saying that we did anything wrong i think that all of the content that we collected was fantastic and i hope that you're all enjoying it but you know it's good to do a little recap like this some things that we learned um wi-fi is not your friend so prepare for that okay we knew going into this that uh we were going to be we were going to be working with some interesting wi-fi so jess had told me many times be prepared for, for um, again, like I've been saying in every episode, it's the best Wi-Fi that the Seattle Parks Department can provide. Um, and so, you know, I had tested it on Friday when everybody was in using masks. I went back to the back area where we were originally going to set up. I was doing some work and the Wi-Fi wasn't perfect. We didn't, never thought it was going to be, but we also... Um, you know, it was going to be good enough. It was, and, and I, and I did a test and it was fine. Saturday, uh, I went back to the area where we were going to do all of our recordings and, um, I couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi. Now this is nobody's fault. Uh, Jess actually with her father's help, I believe set up like a thing to make the Wi-Fi stronger for Saturday. So, um, you know, like Jess also had to pivot a lot, but, we, I ended up just being like, all right, we're moving to somewhere else. And so I just took my laptop and like started wandering. Like I went straight to a corner and I was like, I'm starting here and I'm going to go around to every spot that we could possibly set up. We're not going to worry about noise. We're just going to worry about connectivity at this point. And the first spot that I went to, I found a table and it worked and it was great. So we like tucked into this little corner that was like just to the left when you walked into the airplane hangar and we just set up shop Um, and it ended up it ended up working out pretty well. I was a little bummed that I mean, you know, we were going to be in a back room. So visually, I don't know. I would have totally done things differently. Right. Like I would have set up like chairs for people to sit and watch. I would have put together some more branded things to be like, you know, making is is here doing vendor interviews. <laughs> but, you know, that's for next time. Again, we're learning. We're learning. The other thing is good content is good content. So, you know, along with 
interesting Wi-Fi. Um, that means that all the recordings are not going to be perfect. And how many times have I said on this podcast that we are not serial? We do not aim to be perfect. Perfection is boring. But, you know, there's part parts of the audio that are like, it's okay because the rest of the story is still there. The meat and potatoes, says the vegetarian. The meat and the potatoes are still there. You're rolling with it in the moment. You're rolling with it after with editing. Also, um, I'm not a fast video editor. That's another thing I've learned. Tech check throughout. So just because a microphone is connected and working in the beginning of the day doesn't mean it will continue to do so. The funny thing is, as I knew this, like I've been creating content in one way or another for a very long time now. This is not new to me, but um, we learned that it's not something that we can just let go. And then I think the last thing is communication is key. So I had so many of the vendors tell me that they felt confident because of all of the communication that I provided with, you know, what to expect, when, setting up a schedule, sending the questions ahead of time. All of this was very helpful, especially because a lot of these people, they had never been interviewed before, which is so fantastic because A, they took, they like, tried something new, which hats off to you. I don't have a hat on, but if I did, I would take it off to you, the vendors that had never done this before. So awesome. And you all did such a great job. Also, this means that we've collected content that like nobody's heard ever before because they haven't told their stories to people. So that's super fun. I'm really excited to share that with you. All in all, it really was such a great event and we collected a lot of awesome content. You'll be seeing more of it rolling out as we as we introduce the vendor interview videos, the full length ones. We also have maker stories that we recorded at our booth. We just like sharing people's stories, you know, so we're just going to continue to do it. Well, it's time. It's time. Let's uh, head back a few weekends to Flock Fiber Festival and uh, hear a few more vendors talk about their maker journeys. All right, let's kick it off with Andrea from Apple Yarns. Let's start with your story uh, as a maker. So <laughs> take me back to the beginning. My story as a maker is my mom was out of town and I had three kids and I was doing the ballet, the gymnastics, the soccer, but you can't talk to people and read at the same, at least I cannot talk to people and read at the same time. So I needed a hobby. So I went to our community college and learned how to knit. Okay. But the shop is 16 years old and I probably started knitting 20 years ago. And do you feel like the seed was kind of planted early on in your childhood by someone? Family of crafters. Yeah. I mean, I had needle point. I had done everything but knitting. Okay. Yeah. So everything but knitting. Um, and I just, I had perseverance. I was the, excuse me, but I was the dumbest person in my knit class. It took me three weeks to find a long tail cast on. I did, did not come naturally, but perseverance is my, yeah. is my strength. I am Jean Ann at How of Cerulean Orchid. My pronouns are she, her, and I have a booth here at Flock, and I'm excited to share a little bit about what we what we do. Let's talk about you specifically. Tell us your journey as a maker. Where did it start? How did your your craftiness get sparked? You know, I think it started in the womb. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So my my mom is a cross stitcher and has done like laser engraving stuff and things like that too but when uh, my earliest memory is of her cross-stitching and so there's a lot of family 
like craftiness. My father's a woodworker. So oh my goodness, that's so had cool. It, like, in my environment, child. And so I couldn't not do it. Yes. And my parents really encouraged me to like pursue, to pursue creativity. Good. Never, never said no. They're like, here's some crayons. I'm Jean. I'm the dyer and owner of Junie and Sai Yarns. I did notice that on your site, you type out how to say your company name. Yes. It just do people butcher it all the time? Um, it's usually when I hear people say it, it's C. Instead oh, of Cy, oh okay. and, which is understandable because yes. it is C. But Sai is so Junie and Sai is short for my grandkids, Juniper and Silas. And we also um, live in Snoqualmie, which is here and at the base of Mount Sai. And so it's kind of a double. Yeah. So my logo is the mountain and there's Uh Juniper in there on the design. First of all, I just, I adore that story. I have climbed Mount Sai and Little Sai. Um, and if you're ever in this area, definitely like venture out yes. to there because it's At gorgeous. least come see the waterfall because the waterfall is pretty yes, spectacular. The Snoqualmie yeah. Falls is like, yeah, definitely worth yeah, it. It is. For sure. When did like your whole maker journey start? When, where did that get sparked? Um, I've always been a crafty person, Mm -hmm. but I've never like settled on anything. And I, um, took a knitting class probably about 12 years ago Mm -hmm. as a, my husband got it for me as a Christmas present and that was it. And I was hooked and I, everything else kind of went by the wayside and I've just knit for the last, it's been like my one craft. Meet Jessica from Pearls and Postulates. Where did your fiber journey or craft journey really start? Okay, so um, I am a self-taught knitter. Uh, My mom and I taught ourselves to knit from watching YouTube videos. So I've been knitting for a long time. And then a couple of years ago, I started dyeing yarn more for my friends. Just, it seemed like something fun to do and um, trying out different things. And um, I just really enjoyed it. And I love being creative. And uh, obviously then I have a lot of yarn that I can knit Mm -hmm. with, so. It's, it's been really fun. Hey everyone, I'm Reshma and I am the maker and owner of Hello Lavender Design. I make polymer clay stitch markers and earrings for the fiber community. Love it. Tell us about your journey as a maker. Where did everything begin? Ever since I could hold a pencil. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. No, my mom taught me how to crochet when I was 10 years old. So that's where the fiber part of my okay. really began. So I've been crocheting for over 30 years. Nice. And I taught myself how to knit about eight years ago. So my maker journey has begun since I was 10. That's awesome. I've been drawing and painting ever since I was a little girl. And Mm -hmm. it's just been nice to actually do this as a profession. Yeah. Be an artist. And I'm very excited that I can say that I'm an artist and I get to do it as a career. And there's just no feeling, like no other feeling that, you know, it's just so joyous and joyful. And I just, I'm just so grateful that I can do this, Mm -hmm. you know, full time because I've had the nine to five job and it was not the same. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just amazing that I can be an artist. 
I am Ashley. I am the owner and dyer for Sorella Yarn. We are a hand-dyed yarn company based in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we kind of cater to the entire knitting and crochet experience. We have a full market full of things that we make in-house. We have our own line of knitting needles and crochet hooks. We kind of do it all, but I consider myself, in addition to being a dyer, a bit of a storyteller because the way that we create collections and create colorways is with a lot of emotion and a lot of story behind it. When did your journey start as a maker? How did everything, creativity crafts get sparked? Okay, so this is a little bit of a sad story. Sorry okay. to bring, bring down the vibe. Um, my great grandmother was super big crafter her whole life. She was one of those people that did every kind of craft and she would like have these phases where she would do like nothing but embroidery for like a yeah. year and then she would leave it behind and she would do nothing but crochet. And then she would, she even sewed like wedding dresses at one point. She was wow. incredible. <laughs> she sewed things for fashion shows. Like she just was like my idol. Yeah. When she was in her later years and was getting sick and not doing too well, I was in my like early college phase and I've always been a creative person, but mm -hmm. I hadn't really found crafting. I really liked mm -hmm. creative writing and I liked, you know, doodling and like young, you know, kid crafts. Yeah. So I knew I had that creative thing in me, but I hadn't like found a way to like bring it into my life in a meaningful way. Yeah. And when she was getting sick, I knew that I wanted to look for something more substantial, but I had no idea what. So I was distraught and upset. And I went to the craft store, like from the hospital, went to the wow. craft store. And, um, I was wandering around and as a college student, I was like, okay, a sewing machine is expensive. And you know, paper stationary stuff is like, I'm not really feeling that. And it seems like a lot of things you got to buy to like start into that. Yeah. So all of the areas of the craft store seemed very involved, except for yarn. I was like, I can buy a skein and I can buy a pair of needles and then I'm set mm -hmm. and I can try this and it's low stakes and mm -hmm. it feels kind of like me. Everything's like, I was just gravitating toward that part. I took it home. I taught myself on YouTube to knit and crochet. Um, and that, and then, you know, she is no longer with us and we, I just kept doing it kind of to remember her mm -hmm. through college. And then when I was pregnant with my oldest son, I was making a lot of things for the baby and I was, you know, very bored because I was not feeling too great. I was at home a lot, was kind of thinking that, you know, I didn't have a clear career path. I was still kind of figuring it out at that point. And my now husband was actually kind of like, why don't you put this online? Because yeah. I wasn't following patterns. I was just kind of making up my own things. And he was like, I think, I think you could post that. And I said, well, all right. And then I, by the time the baby was born, I had made money with my blog and my designs to pay a couple of my bills. And so I said, okay, here we go. <laughs> I just, I thought I'll keep doing it until I can't pay my bills. If it's not paying, you know, yeah. my bills, then it'll be a hobby again and yeah. and I'll move on and I'll find something else. And that was seven years ago. And now here I am at my first festival <laughs> with a yarn company. I love it. Yeah. It's wow. been a wild, a wild ride. Yeah. Sure. I never, never expected to wind up where I did. I mean, it kind of sounds like grandma's like, Hey, I'm still here. This is like, For we're sure. doing this together. For sure. He's like, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. had a lot of luck in these seven years. And part of me thinks like, is it luck 
or is it someone watching out for me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe a little bit of both, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So the next part of the podcast is going to be a little bit different and like in a really good way, right? Kind of last minute, Sarah from San Juan Woolworks reached out to Jess, who then forwarded it to me, obviously. And this was the email that she sent. If making isn't totally booked up, we thought it might be fun to team up for a local fiber shed chat involving San Juan Woolworks, local color, abundant earth, and Skagit Woolen Works to talk about the ways our businesses collaborate to make local yarn and fiber in Western Washington. From raising the sheep and dye plants to carding and spinning, cheers and see you soon, Sarah. Oh my gosh, I read that and I was like, we are in, we are making this happen. And I love a good challenge because we only had two mics and there were four people and there and one interviewer. So we we made it work. We made it work. But it's such a cool story. And I'm excited to obviously share the full interview. But these four businesses really have made a community about and around fiber. And it's, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you listen. Enjoy. I want to hear about how this collective started. I want to hear kind of the story a little bit about that. (laughs) Relied on each other in different ways and, and gotten to know each other in different ways. And I think just you guys getting your carter was kind of a pivotal moment for us to realize like how powerful we are as a group, because the process of turning a raw fleece into a beautiful, especially if it's dyed knitting yarn is so overwhelming. And for one small business to take that on as a cottage mill or farm or whatever is incredibly overwhelming. And if you ask around the country, even the world, you'll, you'll hear the same story that it's just people are burned out and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you spread so thin and having you guys show up in a way that you can do this thing and I can do this thing and we can share our resources has taken such a load off and, and really feels like this has been here all along and we're just able to do it in this way right now. And it's great. It feels good to me. I mean, you know, so is the dynamic instead of you carding and doing, or even just spinning, did you have a carter? I have a carter. Okay. Yeah. But like the, that's like, yeah, there's a lot of heavy lifting. I have the whole thing scour to, to yarn and Jess and Anna at schedule and scour and pick and card and okay. dye and other, and other things too. And so she's able to take on jobs that I would turn away because I'm overwhelmed. I, mm-hmm. I don't have time to do it. And if it needs pin drafting or spinning, then I can offer her That's those great. services instead of interfacing with all the yeah. different customers. Kind of like force multiplying yeah. if you guys' efforts. So we were able to work together to do a project where Lydia was like, Hey, uh, this is a big project for Sarah. It's a ton of fiber. Um, I've got it picked. Can you just card it for me? Yeah. Great. Send it on up. It gets it done that much faster and it gets it done in a more efficient way. Um, and so, and we all, and the people, the people doing the work get paid for the work that they do and we all benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take it back to the production side here. And why don't you share a little bit about kind of your role, both of your role, like in this kind of collective. And like what it's been for you. Um, yeah. So I guess say more focused on the farm end. So um, I guess mostly growing sheep and trying to spread the sheep out among people. 
you had fin sheep i think back uh, in the day is that what you do. still have yeah. okay so i can't believe i remembered that but. i know yeah some of the like same sheep that we probably talked okay. about still kicking so that's awesome um, okay sarah yeah i guess i'll just add that um being a sheep farmer is a pretty tough gig and there are an awful lot of hurdles and everything has gotten really 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 expensive yeah um it is a tough way to make a living and a lot a lot of farmers have moved away from doing wool sheep at all because they can't ever make back what it costs to shear them in selling into the commercial market mm -hmm. um and that's what's happened to the wool from my island for a long long time is it's just gone into the commercial wool pool and if you get like 30 cents a pound like you're doing really well um so for me i wanted to find a way to not just have my own farm yarn to sell but to actually be able to buy fleeces from my neighbors at a fair price that actually makes it a little more worth their while to try to keep up their wool quality and um having a relationship with jess and anna and with lydia has made that possible in a way that would have been awfully difficult otherwise yeah. i think it's amazing that we can make yarn in our local fibler shed nobody's farther than like 50 miles apart like i can load up my farm truck with my big super sacks of fleece and drive it to jess's or down to lydia's and load it up with hay on the way back and like it's um it feels so much more sustainable to do it this way than to be shipping it across the country um to the wool mills back east or anything like that and the the quality of service that we get from these these ladies is incredible i mean so many farms like they send out their clip and they get back whatever they get back there's no dialogue there's no um ability to kind of customize and be like actually i'd really like this and um the fact that we got to really design yarns together to add to what you're saying about a comment on being local to each other i mean we're all we're all aware of how local benefits mm -hmm. economy and relationships but we're in each other's paths on like i would say like a six to eight week cycle <laughs> and so it really is i'm going past your place can i drop some stuff off I'm going to mm -hmm. be here. Can I leave this for you to pick up at so-and-so's place? Mm -hmm. And it's really a community. It's a different aspect of community within, yeah. within the industry. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm just listening to you guys. It's, you know, I have a farm and we had a lot of sheep for a number of years and not anymore, but that I think what you guys are doing was something that I was missing there. It's like to do that all by yourself and like also kind of remote it's incredibly so difficult and so what you guys have kind of happened upon here is pretty awesome so i think that's yeah. why we i think that's why we got started and we saw that need for, for people like sarah and emily and the other small family farms that were either scaling back or just getting rid of their sheep farms altogether it's it's such a wonderful if you're if you're doing regenerative agriculture then sheep are a wonderful addition. But if you can't do something with that wool and it becomes more of a burden and you're losing money on mm -hmm. them, that's that's a net negative. And we wanted to give that wool a, a purpose and a, a use back and 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 honestly, you know, help help them keep making and keep being financially viable. Yeah. How could you not absolutely love every single vendor that you've heard stories of? So this is part three. This is the end of the sneak peeks, y'all. The full videos will start rolling out 
So keep an eye in the making app. Keep an eye on on your emails. Uh, and I'll probably talk about it here too. So if you are just a podcast listener, uh, first of all, definitely join the community on the making app. To do so, you're going to go to themakingapp.com, download the app and sign up and join the amazing multi-craftual community that's there. We're not just, you know, I know a lot of this has been about knitting and fiber and crochet and all these things, but that's not all that the making app is. The making app is so much more. Digital art, painting, leather work, woodwork, anything that is like crafty, gardening, cooking, uh, everything, including all the fiber arts. Also, did you know that you can listen to the Making Conversation podcast in the Making app? Yes, you can. Open the app. Tap on Discover and scroll down to Podcasts. From there, you will see all of them listed. You can listen while you are updating a project in your studio because yes, you can track all project details within the Making app. You can listen while you're looking through the marketplace to find a new pattern. And you know, you can just have it out while you're working on your favorite whip. If you've made it this far and you'd like to sponsor Making Conversation or have us record some cool content at your event, send us a note at hq at makingco.com. Thank you so much for listening slash watching. Thank you to all of the vendors. Thank you to Jess. And, you know, we'll see you in the making app. Bye.